Welcome into another edition of the Box Kickers Talking Football. I'm Chris. That's Daniel. Yo. And this week we will be hitting up all things football. Uh, NCAA just kicked off. Uh, we're a little less than a week away from NFL. And this episode we are going to be breaking down all of our predictions for the season. So before we get started, we'll do our obligatory Twitter plugs. Um, you can follow the show at Box Kickers Pod. I am at Dr. Drubert. Daniel, you are... I'm at Mr. Daniel Cabrera. Got to include the Mr. It's new from uh, this season. Yeah, you better start calling me that, all right? Uh, Mr. Uh, no. So, Makes uh, you sound old. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, so uh, before we jump into the sports talk, let's go ahead and do our catching up segment. So, uh, Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I did absolutely nothing today but watch college football. Um, I just got back from my um, in-laws' house as I watched mostly the most the most well-known games on TV: Texas Longhorns, Oklahoma, um, the Clemson Georgia was really good. Still going on right now. Yeah. It's a, uh, besides, it's a besides that, duel. defensive duel. Yeah. Besides that, yeah. Um, just work. That's it. Watching football, yeah. getting getting ready, getting prepared for the NFL to start. So. Yeah, I've, uh, I've actually I've actually had the uh, the last week off. I took some PTO from work. Um, in the middle of the week, you know, last Wednesday was my birthday, so we celebrated my birthday. And then uh, on Friday the third, uh, my grandson was born. So yes, I now am a grandfather. So uh, I feel really old. Feel really old there. So <laughs> so, but no, uh, mom, baby, they're all doing great. Um, they hopefully are going to get released uh, Monday or Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I'm glad they're all healthy and ready to go. Um, I didn't really do a whole lot. My wife scheduled a lot of her work, so she's left uh, work, left the house most days. So I've been with the kid. Um, yeah, did a little bit of yard work to start the PTO and then uh, caught up on some shows. I watched. I went out and saw uh, Shang-Chi today as a uh, little birthday present for myself. Um, that was a great, great movie. Um, is that how you pronounce it? Shang-Chi? Yeah, Shang-Chi. And the reason why I know Shang-Chi. that is because they, they made a joke in a movie about it because he went by the name of Sean when he was in America and when he was hiding out from his, his father and that they're making jokes of them saying, so you change your identity from Shang to Sean? No wonder they found you. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's, I think I worked that in there to kind of help people learn how to, um, to say the, say his name. Because, yeah. I mean, for the longest time, I thought it was Shang- Shang-Chi. Uh, I-, I Americanized it, but no, it's Shang-Chi. Um, great, great movie. Um, I'm not going to give any spoilers. I know you haven't seen it yet. And with a lot of people not going to theaters right now, I know I'm not going to spoil it for a lot of our, our listeners out there, too. Um, one thing I did do is I actually bought the seats around me. So that way I could social distance because they stopped doing that uh, here in Austin. So I had to spend a little bit extra money just to see the movie safely. Um, went to Alamo, it was great, had a great dinner. Um, I, I don't know if it's recency bias or not, but I was I was talking to my wife about it uh, this evening after I got home from the movie, and I, I I think I think this is in my top three for Marvel movies. 
I think I, I think it's definitely top five. I think it could very well be because I have Infinity War, Civil War, and then I think I have Shang Chi uh, taking the place of Black Panther for me. Um, the story was great. The visuals were great. Um, the best way I could describe it um, was if Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Black Panther, and that Disney movie uh, Raya. If that if those three movies had a baby, that was this movie, and it was great. <laughs> I've only <laughs> so, seen one out of those three, so. Yeah, it's it's uh, great choreography, great fight scenes. Uh, the battle at the end. So of course you know how every superhero movie has to have the fight scene at the end. Yeah, I would rank this fight scene probably number two behind Endgame's fight scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just because Endgame's fight scene was was ten uh, ten years in the makings, and it had everybody in there. Yeah. This one though, visually, they they worked in some comedy into it. Uh, I mean, it's just the graphics. The the powers that these that these individuals have, the heroes and the villains, it's just amazing to watch on the screen. And I I, I kind of wish they released it on Disney Plus with the premiere access, kind of kind of like they did with Black Widow, because I would watch this movie uh, again today, even though I just saw it. If I had it uh, on my uh, on my Roku, that's how good it, it was. Damn. So yeah, it's uh, I, I really I highly recommend it. I hope I'm not I'm hyping up too much for people. It's my preference because I, I kind of like those karate type movies. I kind of like the mystical stuff. I, I like the ancient China, um, all that stuff. Uh, it just it just it was a great movie. Very so, nice. Yeah. So I hope you can find a chance to get out there. Otherwise, I believe they're releasing on Disney Plus in 45 days. So worst case, we'll talk about it in about six weeks. <laughs> most likely yes i'll probably wait to it comes on disney plus yeah but no um yeah i highly recommend it it was a great movie um yeah because i my wife and i kind of this thing now because we don't we don't really trust people with our daughter so it's like if I, if my daughter if my stepdaughter can't come over and watch her uh we don't normally go out and so since i want to see this for my birthday i went out there today she's probably gonna go out there and watch it monday and we're hoping by November, um, after the baby, after my uh, grandson's uh, six to eight weeks old, maybe uh, she'll be feeling up to it. Maybe she can come watch while my wife and I go on a day because Eternals looks amazing too. I don't know if you saw the last trailer. Yeah, it does. But I remember watching that uh, on on YouTube, and it gave me goosebumps. And even though I had seen the trailer, when I watched that trailer before Shang Chi, it gave me goosebumps again because it just the way that the way that they filmed it very similar to shang chi with the with a lot of different elements you're not used to seeing in the in the marvel movies um it just that that's that's up there i think that's gonna be another great movie and then of course in december we gotta have uh, no way home coming out with spider-man yep i will be buying my tickets to that one so what'd you think about that trailer we haven't had a chance to talk about it on the show since that trailer came out what'd you think about that um it was good you know you had a few uh cameos Mm-hmm. From previous Spider-Man films, um, don't really know what we're getting from Doctor Strange in that uh, trailer going into I'm the not movie. Sure. I'm not 100 sure that is Doctor Strange. He's not acting like himself, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, I've seen stuff like that. Um, I haven't seen What If, but I, I did see a synop a synop a synopsis about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> synopsis about the uh, episode, and it's it's with Doctor Strange this week, oh. so. So, so on what if I watched the first episode and we talked about on the show, it, it was like, it was okay. I mean, it was like, 
I don't know how I felt about it because the, the it last episode those, was good. The third episode yeah. was really good. Yeah. So when I watched the first one, the, the Captain Carter, it was like, eh, I mean, it was okay. It just didn't really do anything for me. And so I didn't watch the second or third episodes. I, I need to go back and watch that. But I saw all these rave reviews about the Doctor Strange episode. So I purposely watched that last night and oh, that was, uh, Thursday night. And oh my God, that was a great episode. Yeah, I'm watching tomorrow morning. So, yeah, it's um, if if they're going if if the future episodes could be like this, I'm all for it. And the thing about it is, there's a a creature you see for just just like two seconds uh, in this episode that is a character or a monster that was seen in Captain Carter, which tells me they're kind of tying these together. So I'm not sure what they have planned, but the watcher is kind of getting closer and closer to like actually interacting with what's going on. So I think by the time we get to the end of the series, I think it's going to be all tied up together. I think it's all be wrapped up and there's a very good possibility that this could actually tie into some of the MCU movies coming up. Um, the Dr. Strange uh, twist they had on there. I would love for that to be part of uh, multiverse of madness somehow. I mean, some, some capacity on that. Um, Obviously, it's a different storyline. Uh, the reason why he becomes Doctor Strange is different than what the movie was. That's what that's what the what if is. Um, but yet that episode, if they keep doing it at that level, I, I'm I'm interested in the, in the remaining episodes coming out. <clears throat> and then, yeah. um, and I don't know. Did you see the reports of uh, the keeping the MCU uh, multiverse of madness? Apparently, um, Wanda is going to be battling a Foxverse character. I did see a report on that. Yep. And so I'm curious as to what that, that just makes that just makes the Fox X-Men movies canon at that point. Just like they're it's like with the Spider-Man No Way Home is making those previous Spider-Man's canon by having those villains come on here. Yeah. So I'm curious as to see which characters I've, I've heard. It could be Charles Xavier. Um, now, the reports I've, I've seen about Patrick Stewart and um after they did Logan saying how he's done with the character, he doesn't want to do any more. I mean, I don't think he wants to invest another 10 years into this movie franchise. Cause I mean, he's, he's already on the older side to begin with. Hugh Jackman said that he's not interested in being Logan again. Now, of course, money talks. Um, money so... does talk when it comes to the Marvel cinematic universe. Oh yeah. Yeah, it really does. And so there is talk. It could be actually uh, the, uh, first class Charles Xavier, um, which I like. I like that actor. He's great too. Um, I would love for it to be Magneto or something along those lines. Uh, whether it's Ian McKellen or the other, the, the younger Magneto. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just curious where they're going with it. If it's going to be a minor character they're going to use to tie it in, or if it's going to be um, something big to kind of introduce X Men entirely. Which I think having Charles Xavier on there can be the jumping point for an X Men franchise in the MCU. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like going back to no way home, we know they're pulling in the other movies. Cause like they hinted at the goblin from the first, the Tommy McGuire series. Um, we looks like we saw Sandman, um, also from that franchise. Um, Electro was there. Doc Ock was there from the first and uh, Sandman was from the second and Electro was as well. No, actually no, it was the second, the first one, but yeah, Jimmy Fox Electro who uh, goes with, uh, Andrew Garfield, um, and I, I kind of hope they don't release anything else about it until correct. opening night yeah. because yeah. I think that kind of ruined the concept of going into the movie. I don't want to see any more surprises. 
The now, trailer. That's all we needed. That's all we yeah, needed. Right exactly. I mean, it, it got us a, a, wet our, a wet our whistle. And if they do release any more trailers, don't include the other Spider-Mans if they're involved. Because there's there's reports that they may not be involved. They just may have the villains coming across, and they're all fighting the same Spider-Man, which is the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Well, I mean, I think JB Smooth was either yanking our chain when he was doing an interview, or yeah, it could be right because he was a little. Uh, maybe he had a couple of drinks he was down in before he or after he did that interview, but <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to. It. I hope they actually do a full Spider Verse thing where they have all three Spider Bands. Um, so, did you see? Have you seen all the Spider Man movies before this? Yes. So, uh, who's your favorite Spider Man? Um, you know, I would have to say uh, Tom Holland, but I, I was a really big Tobey Maguire guy because I was growing up with that Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, was it like 2004 when the first one came out or something like that? Um, I was big on Tobey Maguire. I thought he was a good Spider-Man. I didn't like the second Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. I thought oh, he was too soft. Man. I thought he was crying the whole time. Well, they, they killed the... everybody around him. Of course he's going to be crying. Yeah, but that was just, I mean, come on, like. With Tom Holland, you know, like Iron Man, that's that's fine. Yeah, that was a bad death. Uh, he was his mentor, growing, you know, during the time he was Spider-Man. He lost his girlfriend. Like that's he, true, he, he but no, like every scene, it felt like he was crying. He came home crying to Aunt May, and I was just like, come on now. So, so He was the uh, worst Spider-Man, I'll tell you that. So um, I'm going to tell you, Andrew Garfield's my favorite Spider-Man. <laughs> so... <laughs> so um, because uh, and he he dealt with the most loss because he was the one Spider Man who actually saw Uncle Ben die. Tobey Maguire wasn't there when he died; he was nearby, but he wasn't there. And so, um, then we have, uh, of course, uh, his girlfriend's dad dies in front of him and basically tells him, "Don't go, don't interact with her, be uh, leave her alone because it's going to keep her safe." And he tries to stay away from her, but then she won't let him. And then he tries to save her and she dies. So he's he has the right to kind of be a little emo, in my opinion. But yeah, you, but the whole movie? If you break it down, I think Toby Maguire was the best Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield was the best Spider-Man. And then I think Tom Holland's a good blend of both of them. Because I like I like Tom Holland. I think they did a good job casting him. They, they did a great job because because before a lot of people were like, well. Tommy McGuire doesn't play because in the comic books, Spider-Man is snarky. He has these little uh, passive aggressive things. He, he makes jokes all the time. Tommy McGuire didn't really do that very well, whereas Andrew Garfield excelled at that. But whenever, whenever you're Peter Parker kind of being that little nerdy, quiet guy, Tommy McGuire is great at that. But Andrew Garfield had a hard time pulling off because he's he's a tall guy, tall, attractive guy. And so he kind of got a cool vibe to him. Yeah. Whereas Tom Holland kind of pulls it all off. He, he plays the nerd. He plays kind of like the dorky guy who's who's all science all the time. Where uh, and he also has the funny quirks that he says as Spider-Man. So I think as a whole, Tom Holland's my favorite Spider-Man as a whole. But Tommy McGuire is the best Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man. Tommy, uh, Tom Holland is a good blend of all of them, in my opinion. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've seen a lot of people debating that online about who's the best Spider-Man. And it's like, well, they, they all have their pluses and minuses. Um, my wife, uh, she actually had not seen the Amazing Spider-Man series of two movies. And so on Thursday, we watched um, the Amazing Spider-Man, the first one. And she really liked it. She, she really liked it. Um, so she's um, interested in seeing the second one now, which I know the second one 
Jimmy Fox is probably the worst villain in any of the movies. I don't know why they're bringing him back in the, <laughs> in the Tom Holland Spider-Man three, but we'll see. And I, I do hope that they do find some way of tying it into the Venom verse as well. Cause I would love to see a Tom Holland, Tom Hardy co- collaboration movie with Venom and Spider-Man. If I see a post credit scene and it's hinting some sort of Venom in it, I'm going crazy. Uh, I mean, Venom is my favorite of any because they're any... Keeping it in that movie. It's gonna, it's not coming out to like 2022 apparently. Yeah, yeah. So this is like the perfect time to have like a scene at the end of Spider Man or something. If they if they did do one, and kind of kind of hint at Venom, that'd be super awesome. I would enjoy well, it. And that was one of the things where it's like I kind of got the vibe like if they really wanted to try to pull Venom into the MCU, they can because um, Shang Chi. Whenever he's in America, he lives in San Francisco, which is where Eddie Brock lives. Yeah, yeah. And so it's easier way of having the interaction with the MCU through his character. Um, because, of course, we know that Spider-Man lives in New York. Venom lives in San Francisco. So he have to one of them had to go somewhere in order for it to happen. So yeah. um, but with with Eddie Brock being a reporter, he could easily find his way in New York. Um, but, yeah, I would love to see a Spider-Man Venom crossover with this current Venom and this current Spider-Man. I think that would be great if they can work that out. I agree. So, all right. Um, and then anything you want to add in there about Walking Dead? Because we haven't had a show since we had the first two episodes. Um, I'm enjoying it right now. Mm-hmm. I think Maggie's a piece of shit. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of Maggie right now. I uh, haven't been a fan of her since Glenn yeah, died. So yeah. Yeah, you know, and and you know. I agree, yes. She wants to kill Negan, yes. but Understandable. Understandable, but he's such a powerful character, and he can bring a lot to the table. Do you yeah. need him? Yes. Do you know what you're walking into, a.k.a. to the Commonwealth? No, but I think you're going to need him every with the everyday sort of thing, with what you're walking into. Yeah. Because he knows the city. He knows how to lead. Um, I know the characters or her, her friends don't like him because of what he's done, but he's an asset to the to the group. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know what's going to happen at the end. I, I think you know one of the two is going to die. Maybe he he's might the, be. And even though they're not listening to him, he's like the one true character with true leadership abilities. He's a total badass. Like he's my favorite character on the show right now. So which and mine too, and that's why we kind of feel Maggie's a piece of shit because the way she's treating him, kind of forgetting. We're kind of glazing over the fact that she watched him murder viciously her husband and the father of her child. So well, it was Daryl's fault. So she should be mad at Daryl too. So, <laughs> so don't forget, so don't forget that it was Daryl's fault. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. Um, actually, entirely it was her fault because with her being sick, that's why they actually had to leave the the Alexandria. So that's true. Um, Negan was just doing what he had to do. I mean, yeah, he was pretty vicious with the way he did it, but he, he's rehabbed himself. He's come a long, uh, a long way with that. But uh, um, I, I'll be honest with you, I've been a little bit bored with that whole storyline um, with the with the Daryl and them going to her old camp. Um, now it was pretty. I, I was I kind of got geeked up a little bit when I saw the end of the episode. Whenever this new group kind of appeared and they they look like they're like a mix of all the villains combined. And so I was, I was kind of excited to see that, but the whole thing leading up to the two episodes, I was kind of bored. I was more interested in what was going on over Commonwealth with, with princess and all princess. them. Um, that group, that group makes it like, they look like they should be in fear of the walking dead. Yeah. And not the walking dead. I, I mean, I know they're trying to kill time to, to, for the big finale, 
um, in part two. So they're trying to make their way to the Commonwealth. But uh, that group just, I mean, they had bodies hanging. Yeah, they're a threat. Ooh, wow. But I just, it's just another group to me, just like the cannibals, you know, back in season four or five, whatever. So it's just like, eh, that storyline is, you know, okay. Hopefully it picks up. But yeah, I'm interested in the the Commonwealth storyline over there with uh, Ezekiel and and, um, Eugene and all that. With Mercer, Mercer's really good. So I just want them to see somebody like they haven't seen in a while. Heath, (laughs) Heath. But uh, (laughs) see somebody, Janice, somebody. I think Heath's ship has sailed. I mean, I think way too much time has passed. Um, Scott Gimple has said reportedly many times that we haven't seen the last of Heath. And I read, I think it was yesterday, you know, I, I searched The Walking Dead or whatever like that. And he said that there's going to be some surprises. There's going to be some people you've seen before. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, I hope one of them is Heath. I, I have a feeling um, what we could see. And here's what I hope we could see. And it's not going to happen because Scott M. Gimple does not think this way. He, he wants to ruin everything he touches. But you need to have a small glimpse, some interaction with Morgan and his people in Commonwealth. Because that buys you three to five years worth of Fear the Walking Dead content where you know they end up here. And you can have it where it's Morgan and like one other person. So you wonder what happened to the rest of the group. Are they still alive? They're just not there. So... You're wondering, are they going to get killed off on this episode? Are they going to make it to the to the Commonwealth? I, they need to do something that kind of piques your interest because, like, like, like we talked about last year, last season of Fear was was great, and once Walking Dead kind of ends, you're I think that's going to hurt Fear because a lot of people watch Fear and other stuff because of the Walking Dead. When that show ends, they may not be as invested in what happens over in Fear. Yeah. And we already know the ratings are lower anyway, so you want to try to keep as much of your fan base. So if you if you have the Walking Dead characters interacting at Commonwealth with some Fear the Walking Dead characters, but not all of them, that's going to make you more invested to watch Fear, hoping you might see those characters again popping up on Fear. Yeah. But Scott M. Gimple doesn't think that way. The... And his, his, his surprise returning characters will probably be some stupid-ass person that ran away from the cannibals or something. Or <laughs> some, Somebody some made the scenes in season two. Like, like for example, the guy uh, on Fear last year that wears the mask that's with, uh, with uh, Dwight's girl. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I had I didn't remember him from the one episode <laughs> he was on. Me neither. I, I didn't. I had to go back and, and, and like YouTube it. Apparently, he was on the episode that when they went to the mall here in Cedar Park. Yeah, I I don't remember the fear characters. Walking Dead, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy was from season three. I do remember that guy. He had this big dramatic interest when the guy took his mask off and was like, who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) So, so, but yeah, um, yeah, that's that's the Scott M. Gimple kind of mentality of, hey, let's throw some random person that we we cast like five years ago for like half an episode. Let's bring him back. That'll shock everybody. And everyone's like, who is this? Who the hell is this guy? Yeah. So yeah, I'll tell you what. If if we were talk, if you go to fear, I mean, I'm not gonna spend too much time on this, but I'm not looking forward to this radioactive season. It looks dumb. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; it just looks plain dumb, and I, I'm not looking forward to it. Are there trailers for it yet? Uh, there was like a promo. Um, okay, the last episode it, yeah. of The Walking Dead. It's like Strand. He's like, and it sounds kind of like not westernish, but it sounds like kind of like it, it, it's like a theatrical like trailer. 
Okay. His voiceover, his voiceovers in it, and it's like it shows clips of the you know the season ahead, and they're like you know they're radioactive. They're wearing the the masks and all this, and it's just like "Uh, you know this doesn't look good to me. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you this past season. One of the one of my favorite parts about this last season that I thought was so great was Strand was barely in it, and. (laughs) <laughs> I like Strand. I like Strand's character when they're in a group, but he's gone. He is who he is at this point. You know, he's going to try to be a snake and screw them over to save himself. No matter how many times he has a face turn, he's like the big show of that show of Fear the Walking Dead, where he bounced back between a face and a heel every other week. Yeah, I don't know why so anybody I'm, would trust this guy. So I'm over the whole Strand storyline. Give me more Morgan. Give me more Alicia. Some of these other side yeah. characters they have on there. Bring bring back Madison. That might be. Uh, I think yeah, like you said earlier about Heath. I think that ship is sailed with her. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, maybe she's the one we see in Commonwealth. Then. I mean, for all we know. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I, I saw. I, I was watching a movie trailer. I don't know which trailer it was, but I saw the in, the guy that left in the helicopter. The Indian guy. Oh yeah. From the the farm or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He ranch. was in. He, he yeah. He was in the trailer, and I was like, dude, what happened to that guy? He just. Left in the helicopter, and nobody knows anything about him. And they're gonna probably have him as one of the surprises on Walking Dead, and people who watch that, are like, who is this guy? Because they probably <laughs> didn't watch that uh, that episode or that season or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's just uh, I, I'm invested. I'm gonna keep watching. I'm not watching that World Beyond crap, but I mean, no, I'll read the I'll little synopsis that. on that. But uh, but between Fear and Walking Dead, no matter how bad the seasons are, I'm still gonna watch them, and especially with Walking Dead ending. Um. I was hoping, I was hoping Walking Dead would surpass longer than the Rick movies, but for whatever reason, it's taking forever for him to do that. Rick, I just saw a trailer. Rick's coming out in a new movie, so, um, and he's he's starting to film another movie now. So when are they ever going to film the Rick movie? Twenty thirty. <laughs> I mean, Walking Dead, all the Walking Dead shows could be off TV for like five years by the time his movie comes out, and you're going to expect people to come back. I mean, no. Yeah, not. I think they should, they should be starting it like like soon. Honestly, as Walking Dead fans, they, they need to be starting it soon so people won't lose interest in it. He's been gone what, people have four been years? waiting for like four years since this movie, you know, since they kind of showed the trailer of the helicopter flying over, you know, that they thought it was Philadelphia yeah. or something like that. But yeah, yeah they need no, to start yeah. making this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they waited too long on it. I don't know what the, what the holdup is. So. Or, or, or give us a, a Rick scene in the final season, the, the part two. Have him show. Okay. Season finale, series finale on Walking Dead, right? Commonwealth, you can have the surviving members of like uh, of the uh, of the Walking Dead uh, crew, Maggie or whoever, Negan, whoever, have them run into Morgan and Alicia, right? And then have them run into Michonne and Rick, and then that way we know. Okay, let's watch what's happening on Fear because Rick is somehow involved whenever he's not. And then the, the Rick movies are coming out, so that's gonna keep, that's gonna pique the interest. Have them have them fly in there for one day to film one scene that they can sneak into the series finale. That's gonna get more eyes over on Fear the Walking Dead and more eyes ready for the Rick movie. Kind of refresh it in people's minds. Yeah, Scott M. Gimple. I know you're you're one of our our 27 listeners, but please, <laughs> please listen to us. <laughs> yeah, I know Angela Kang would do something like that, but Scott M. Gimple, oh, he would not do that. Fire him. Put her in charge. <laughs> so all right before we get all fired up more on uh, more scott and gipple talk uh let's go ahead and move over into the football talk so um like we've mentioned earlier college football is officially back right now 
Clemson and Georgia are locked into a close game. It's, it started the fourth quarter. Georgia's up 10 nothing. So um, apparently Clemson's they don't they can't get any offense going. It looks like I don't know if Georgia's that good or if it's the fact that they they have a new quarterback starting now. Um, so unless Clemson has some kind of comeback, looks like Georgia's going to win this game. Uh, Florida's up twenty one nothing. Florida Atlantic A and M is up on Kent, Kent State twenty to three. We have UCLA and LSU uh, currently in the second quarter. UCLA is up fourteen ten. That's actually a little bit of a surprise. Um, and then earlier games, Alabama steamrolled Miami, which we all kind of saw coming. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma survived Tulane, which makes me think if this game was not moved to Oklahoma, if it was actually played in Tulane, I think they would have won that game. Um, yeah. Iowa State. I don't know. Tulane has showed the world right there what they're capable of. Yeah. And, you know, this year could be their fourth bowl. Most- Bowl game in a row, and that that coach uh, who came over from um, who was it? Um, it was a pretty decent school that he came over from, and, and you know he almost coached them to a victory over number two Oklahoma. Yeah, that quarterback's yeah. pretty solid. I'll tell you that. But yeah, I, I honestly think that uh, if they did play this at Tulane, I think that would have been what they needed to do to pull the upset. Oklahoma got everything going in the first half; they only scored three points in the second half. So I mean, I think it was just first game jitters. I think that kind of woke up Oklahoma, and I think they're going to start crushing teams, especially next week against uh, Western Carolina. Yeah, I mean, they should easily win that game. Um, so a little bit of a surprise, Iowa State. Uh, big hopes for them this year, big plans for them, but they only won sixteen ten against Northern Iowa. Um, and that, they I mean they're up thirteen ten at halftime, so they only got one field goal in the second half. So that was a little bit of a shocker to me. Um, maybe Iowa State may not be. It could be first game jitters as well, but maybe they're not as good as what we thought they were going to be. Uh, Cincinnati beat Miami, Ohio. Oregon beat Fresno State. Uh, yeah, that 20, was a close game. Yeah, 31-24. The whole game, yes, it was close. Um, and, and they then, go to Columbus next week, so watch yep. out, Oregon. Yeah. Um, Penn State squeaked out a win over uh, Wisconsin 16-10. That was a great defensive battle. Yeah, um, USC, of course, made it easy with San Jose State. A um, little bit of a surprise. There's a lot of uh, talk about IU going this season after the, what they did last year. They had a great season last year, and I think the hype got to them because they lost to Iowa 34-6. They got walloped by Iowa. My, my, I saw someone on Twitter because I follow a lot of IU people because uh, they also follow the Pacers as well. They, uh, Michael Penix uh, is the quarterback for IU, and they, they started calling him Michael Penix, uh, my, Michael Pick Six by the end of that game because he kept throwing all those interceptions, and then it just looked bad. <laughs> Three that picks, first half. touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, there was – I saw one reporter said that he was he – was, he reported as if the defensive back was on IU because he keeps missing his target, even though <laughs> the guy keeps dropping his passes. There's, yeah. one, cor- there's one cornerback that he hit – in the numbers twice that should have been intercepted him. He should have had more, two more picks in that game. That game should have been a lot closer than it looks because, yeah. um, what was his name? Spencer Petrus, um, the yeah. Iowa quarterback, did not do good at all. Yeah. Um, he had a 79 QBR. But uh, if it wasn't for those pick sixes or whatever, but it should have been a lot closer for Indiana. And that was just an embarrassing statement right there. I mean, this looked like the IU of like six years ago getting steamrolled. Yeah, so, so they're definitely falling probably out of the top 25, I would think. 
and they need, they have to win two of their first three in order to have, have a decent run going. And after next week, which should be an easy win for them, they have Penn State. So it's not going to get much easier for them. No, not the Big Ten. No. Um, Ohio State on uh, Thursday squeaked out a win over Minnesota. It looked pretty close in the first half, but they kind of pulled away in the second half. Coast Carolina beat Citadel 52-14. Uh, Utah made easy work Weber State. Arizona State again over Utah or Southern Utah was big. And then Virginia Tech upsets number 10, North Carolina, Mac Brown. And then he the aged like 10 years, it looks like. <laughs> he did, yeah. Bag of bones. Yeah. And then the big game of the top 25 for our local market here, Texas, number 21, Texas versus number 23, Louisiana. Okay. Texas wins 38 18. I unfortunately was not able to watch the game. So, Daniel, please give us a little rundown of what you saw. Um, I thought, okay, so there was a, um, the quarterback was obviously Hudson card going into the game. Um, he went 14 for 21, 224 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He, he played really well. Um, there's a few questionable calls on Sarkeesian's part, um, at the beginning of the game, they ran like three times in a row, got stuffed. Um, but then there's, <laughs> this guy's going to be a phenomenal star. Um, Jordan Whittington last year, he had a great year. This, uh, this game, he went seven receptions, 113 yards, one touchdown. He was destroying the defense. And B. John Robinson had 20 carries, 103 yards, one touchdown. Casey Thompson, who I thought um, – I was a fan of him starting, but with news broke about a week ago about Hudson Card getting the start. Mm-hmm. Casey Thompson came into the game. He, uh, he went four for five with 41 yards, and he threw a touchdown. So uh, – I, I did not see if Hudson Card got hurt or or Steve Sarkeesian had said that they're going to use a two-quarterback system. I hate that, if that's what they did. I, I, I'm not a big fan of it, um, but I guess he wants to keep the defense on their toes and say, hey, we got you know, a two-quarterback system, and there's just specific plays for Hudson Card, and there's specific plays for Casey Thompson. But, um, I mean, the defense looked great, overshown. Uh, Brockermeyer. I'm a big fan of Brockermeyer. You know why? Because he has the pads that go up to the neck, you know, like old Zach <laughs> yeah. Thomas. So yeah, every time yeah, I yeah. see that, I feel like this linebacker is going to be legit and hard hitting. Um, so he played well. BJ Foster as well. They took care of business because on the Louisiana side, they thought that um, Levy Lewis was going to be like a really big threat. Um, he, he threw 282 yards. He had a touchdown. But uh, they contained them for the most part. They contained the, the, the running back and um, what was his name? Chris Smith, 54 mm-hmm. yards. But uh, other than that, they took care of business in Austin. With, which they, I thought it was going to be a sellout. I did see some open seats at DKR. It was but, like 100 uh, degrees out. So. Yeah, they were frying like bacon out there, I'm sure. Some of them may, some of them may have been still in the, the parking lot, passed out from <laughs> tailgating. All the alcohol consumed and whatnot. But uh, I thought that was a big statement by Texas. Um, they got Steve Sarkeesian his first win. And now they go to Fayetteville, Arkansas next week. So uh, that, that should be a win in my book. Should but, be. Uh, we'll see. All right. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm just looking ahead to next week's schedule. Um, I see uh, number 22, Coastal Carolina, is hosting Kansas. Do you think if Kansas wins, yeah. they're, they're going to tear down the, <laughs> the campus like they did after? Shout out to Kansas. <laughs> Who did they beat? It was uh, it was a. Uh, did they beat a, South Dakota by three? It wasn't like a like a uh, the, the, uh, championship subdivision, not the uh, bowl subdivision, right? It's like a step down, right? They, like they beat down, them. Yeah. South Dakota, and they stormed the field. And they stormed the field because they haven't won a game since twenty nineteen. <laughs> 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 oh, poor Kansas! I mean, 
maybe after Texas, Oklahoma leaves and they, they bring in like the South or central Florida and the Cincinnati's and yep. maybe they might get a win or two here or there. <laughs> um, it's looking at like the top twenty-five matchups. I, th- I there's only like, a couple, and I think Oregon, Ohio State's gonna be the marquee game, and that's like that's that eleven o'clock local time. Yeah, that's, that's not where, even the prime time game. I think that's where game day will be. Um, there was another really decent game. I can't you have Iowa and Iowa State number currently eighteen yeah, and seven, one. which I think they're gonna switch places because Iowa State losing, Iowa winning big. I think they're gonna switch places. I think Iowa will be the higher rated team. Um. But yeah, I mean, just scrolling through here, those are the only two top twenty-five matchups. Um, looking for a potential upset on here, um, I will tell you, I'm impressed with what Ball State's doing, and I'm not uh, fully impressed with Penn State yet. So I think Ball State could potentially pull an upset with Penn State. They probably won't, but I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. Yeah, I would say Texas A&M at Colorado. Yeah. I mean, with, with with what Texas A&M is doing right now to Kent State, it's 27-3. It was very close for the first three quarters. Um, going to Boulder, I think maybe, you know, that, that would probably be my upset. It's the a, it's a Colorado Buffaloes over Texas A&M. Former uh, division foes. Yeah, Big 12. Uh, the dying Big 12. Yeah. Well, they're they're getting four more teams get back up to 12. Well, it's going to be like AAC most likely, but, <laughs> but it's good for basketball. Yeah. Because you're going to have Baylor, Houston – from, from what I, from, yeah, from what I read, you have they're bringing they're going to offer this week to uh, BYU, which is independent currently, uh, Cincinnati, and then Houston and Central Florida. So they're going to be able to get into the Ohio market and the Florida market, which is kind of boost up their their contract talks with the uh, with the uh, with those coming up here in four years. Um, yeah, it's good for basketball, like you said, with Houston, Cincinnati, Kansas, Baylor. Yeah. Um, each of those four teams has been in a U- New Year six game over the last, I think, eight years, which is good. But again, they also weren't facing Big Twelve every week, yeah, as they will. So, um, I think BYU is in best shape to compete right away. Of the four, Cincinnati is right behind them, I think, because they actually have a decent squad there, and with um, Brian Kelly, not Brian Kelly, um, the guy that replaced Brian Kelly, uh, blanking his name now, but he's a solid coach. The basketball program is solid. Houston's basketball program is solid. Central Florida hasn't been really what they were after Scott Frost left there, but they're still decent. I think this is a good move for them getting into a bigger conference because that being in a small conference is really what hurt them in the bowl games recently. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how that goes for each of those teams and see how it goes for Big Twelve. I, I hope they succeed, but I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird not seeing oklahoma and texas representing the uh, big 12 in most of these games anymore i, I think it's good for oklahoma state and t- uh, texas tech but they need to get their uh, football programs uh, back up in their top notch so the yeah. iowa state could run away with it here in the future for football mm-hmm. it's good, good so. for them. all right um now we will move over into real quick we'll do some fancy football talk uh, uh we didn't do our full fantasy football show but um Really, what we did last year, we could just do in one little setting here. We're, we're going to cover quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. I'm going to start with tight ends first because that's kind of the shallowest one. Um, uh, we go PPR rankings. Uh, we like to use uh, Fancy Pros as our kind of uh, talking point because they, they kind of aggregate like 50 different rankings across the internet. So, um, of course, number one, Travis Kelsey, two, Waller, three, George Kittle. Then I think there's a huge drop off, and then they have Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, T.J. Hawkinson, and that's all in the first tier. 
do you uh, do you have any thoughts on any of those? Uh, if any of them could jump the top three or anything stand out um, to you that you think is over overrated? I personally think T.J. Hawkinson is overrated because I I think he's going to get double teams, but. Yeah, I drafted him, and then, you know, of course, they get Jared Goff as their quarterback now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they have no wide receivers. Their wide receivers absolutely stink. So I think TJ Hawkinson probably will get double teamed. Um, I agree with the top three. Darren Waller's a stud. Travis Kelsey is obviously yeah. top number one. Uh, George Kittle is, is good as well. Coming off an injury. Uh, so he, so Coming normally, off that knee injury. He's normally, normally number he two. Would be- he would be number two, possibly number one with Kelsey before the injury. We'll see what happens. Yeah, Mark Andrews over there in Baltimore with um, Lamar Jackson, uh, who's really a, you know his go-to guy or a threat. Yeah. I don't know about now because they did add um, uh, Sammy Watkins to the Watkins wide receiver core. I never understood the, the the fascination of Watkins. He's never really done anything anywhere. Well, he's been Clemson, in the NFL. he was good, but he's you know injuries get to him. So, and then Kyle Pitts. I haven't seen the guy play besides preseason who looks like a wide receiver. Looks yeah, nothing like with, a tight end. The thing with Kyle Pitts is most tight ends that are rookies struggle their first year in the NFL, but he's not really a tight end. He's more of a, a hybrid tight end receiver. So he could be the exception, but um, I, I don't. I haven't seen enough from him, so I, I, it's hard to say if he's overranked or underranked in my opinion. I don't get the fascination with him because, like being this Hall of Famer tight end. He very well could be. He's, he plays for the Falcons. He has Matt, Matty Ice there. Um, Calvin Ridley as well, who will probably get double teamed this year. Who Kyle Pitts will probably be open. But um, I don't know. I, I got to see how he plays in, in, in real real ball, you know, with, with yeah. the first stringers on defense. But, uh, I mean, he plays for a good offense. They had a, they have a new head coach who came from the Titans who was really highly – the offensive coordinator. Um, but uh, – let me see how he does week one, and, and then we'll go from yeah. there. Because if it was anything like if he if he got drafted to like Jacksonville or something, I don't think he would be that much like highly anticipated. Yeah, I think it's because he's in Atlanta, which yeah. we know uh, Matty Ice loves to throw the ball. They've lost Julio, so there's got to be targets out there going somewhere. It's in a dome. Uh, yeah, that. he's not too far from where he played college, so I, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I didn't I didn't draft him in any of my leagues, but um, I would not be surprised if he kind of becomes like the next star tight end. So just a round of the top 10, actually the top 12 since what most leagues are. Noah Fant out of Denver, Logan Thomas out of Washington, Robert Tunyon in Green Bay. Tyler Higby is 10, Dallas Goder is 11, and Mike Gusecki is 12. Um, I'm surprised that they still have uh, Goder rated higher than Ertz because I still, still, I still think Ertz is the guy there in, in Philadelphia. But um, I don't. I wouldn't rank either of them in my top 12. I'd rather have like someone like Johnny Smith or or Gronk, or um, even George, uh, Gerald Everett in Seattle up there in place of him, because I think with the fact that they split tight ends is not going to help them out much and uh, for fantasy value. Yeah, I mean, we we have that, uh, the flex situation, I guess, with the wide receiver and the tight end situation, so yeah. not a lot of tight ends were drafted in our league, but, uh, you know, I drafted TJ Hawkinson. I mean, I could pay for that, but uh, just hopefully he has a good season. But I agree. I think I think only uh, so for reference, we got rid of the the tight end only position and made it into a, a super flex where you can have wide receiver, running back, or tight end. Um, so because of that, we only had six tight ends drafted in our league this year. Now currently nine are on the roster. Some got picked up after the draft was over. I picked up Logan Thomas because I think uh, we know that 
he's gonna have a good year. I was gonna draft I him, but I, yeah. I had Hawkinson. So yeah. Then uh, I think Higby was because uh, we know Hawkinson and Matthew Stafford was big last year, so Higby is gonna be a tight end. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I just there's not a whole, whole lot of value I, I, unless you have a Kelsey Waller or Kittle, possibly an Andrews. I don't really see them winning you a league. So. Yeah. So, all right, we will transition then into the quarterback rankings here. Um, they have a top tier of four quarterbacks. Mahomes, one, Josh Allen, two, Kyler Murray, three, and Lamar Jackson, four. Tier two is Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, which I feel is a little overrated. And then around the top 12, you have Brady, Tannehill, Jalen Hurts, and Matthew Stafford. Um, I, Of course, I've been dogging on Justin Herbert for what it feels like two years now, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I think he's going to take a step back in the second season. And I, I, I see Joe Burrow having a better year this year from the, between the two of them. And I even think Tua now Miami is going to better year because they actually put more talent around him. And I would rather have Matt Ryan in the top 12 than I would Justin Herbert. Um, Jalen hurts as well. I think I, I don't know what to buy from Philadelphia's offense um, this year. I'd almost put, um, I mean, looking at his rankings below there, uh, Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan. I'd probably move them up into my top 12. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is overrated at 15. Um, Kirk Cousins there at 16. I mean, decent. um, Decent value. He's got good receivers there, but can he stay off the COVID list? And then they have two at number 17, which I think is way undervalued. I think you drafted him as your backup in, in our league, right? I did, yes. Yeah, so I think he's going to have a big year. He's got a lot of receivers there. Their offensive line is going to be better. Um, I worry about their running game there, but that just means that he's going to throw the ball more and they have a better offensive coordinator system now. So um, I think he's going to have a, a decent year. I probably have him, like, in my opinion, by quarterback 13 or 14, um, moving him up by four or five slots. So um, any one of those top uh, quarterbacks that you have any opinions on? Uh, you didn't give love to my boy Ryan Tannehill. I didn't take him out of the top ten. I think I, I I left him in, I left him there in the top ten. I didn't I didn't bash him for that. I mean, he's right on he, the Brady. He's got the he's got the the weapons. They've got the offensive line. They got their running back. I think he's going to have a good fantasy season. Whether that translates on the on the win loss column for the team is a different story. Uh, but I think for fantasy football, he's going to have a he's going to have a good fantasy football year. And actually, I have him in one of my other leagues. I did draft oh. him in one of my other leagues. I would have him over Jalen Hurts. I just don't I would, know. I, don't, I, would. I I'm so, I'm so like confused on what's going on with Jalen Hurts. In preseason, he, you know, he was like, he was sick or something before one preseason season game, and then yeah. like another preseason game, he didn't start. And it's like, what is going on in Philadelphia? Like with Jalen Hurts, like I don't get it. Last year, you know, the last game of the season, he he got taken out. Uh, I don't think he was injured against the Giants. It was the last game of the season. He got taken out and it was on the sidelines. Like, I don't understand what's going on with this guy. Um, but I would have Tannehill and I would have Tom Brady over Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I think in my top five, um, I, I disagree with some of the rankings. I My top five, I probably go Mahomes is easily number one. I actually probably would go Dak Prescott number two, Lamar Jackson three, Kyler Murray four, Russell Wilson five, and then I probably have Josh Allen as number six, right, right there with Aaron Rodgers in my opinion. Um, I, yeah, I'll have to see Thursday with Dak Prescott because you don't know about the shoulder. Yes, he says he's 100% healthy and he's ready to go. Um, I got to see. 
he has the offensive stars there. Yeah, we but gotta like, see. Yeah, I mean, we gotta see. They, they their offensive line still took a hit. I mean, they're they're still putting some pieces together there. But he's he's got he's got to be consistently healthy for him to be. But I think if he stays healthy all seventeen games, I have him right at number two. Fair now, Josh Allen, I think uh, again, I've been dogging on him almost as much as I dog on Garoppolo. But he's a great quarterback. He's got great tools. But now the focus is on him. After last year, the focus is on him. Defenses are going to be scheming for him versus scheming for the running game or for Stephon Diggs. So um, New England's defense has gotten better because the guys are not sitting out this year and they drafted some pretty good players and got some free agents. So that's two games right there against New England. It's going to be tough. Miami's defense is tough, so it's going to be four games there. The Jets should be a walkover, so that's one thing. But just having four tough division games out of six, I think, is going to be a challenge for him. And we'll see. There's a lot of pressure on him. The people call him an MVP candidate. We'll see if he can back it up. I think he's going to have a better season than last year. Is that, well, that's because you drafted them. So. Well, because <laughs> of what I've seen in preseason, he's throwing lasers all over the field. Diggs, yeah. they, they added Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Gabriel Davis was a threat. So uh, the running game's not so not so good with uh, Moss and um, Singletary. It's a two-headed backfield, yeah, but um, I just think he's going to have a, another MVP-type season. We'll see. I mean, um, I don't know. I just – I'm a Buffalo hater, so I have to well, – I, I hate to them too. Him a little bit, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, I still I still think he's like top – he's top 10 easily. Top six, I think. I have him in the same tier as Aaron Rodgers and um, Tom Brady and Tannehill. I think I have him in that, that grouping. Um <laughs> I think they're going to get a little bit more out of their running game this year, so that's why I think he's going to take a little bit of step step back because he's not got to be a quarterback and running back like he was last year. Yeah. So, all right, we will move over into the running back rankings. <clears throat> so um, they have a top tier that has three. So you have Chris McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. Um, I agree. I, I agree with those rankings. Tier two starts off with Kamara, then Zeke, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, and Saquon Barkley. I think Taylor and Barkley should be knocked down a tier. I, I, I don't, I don't trust their their a Barkley's health and John Taylor having a healthy quarterback and offensive line because half that I think it was a little over half the offensive team just in general, receivers, running backs, quarterback, and then the offensive line. Under half of them are vaccinated, so I think they're gonna be missing games. Um, so I, I would I would knock them down a little bit. I almost I almost have Antonio Gibson and Najee Harris a little bit above them, but then they have Joe Mixon um, as number twelve, Austin Eckler thirteen, Ceh fourteen, Chris Carson and David Montgomery, and then I was I was go to twenty four since that's how many normally start in the league. So James Robinson seventeen, which he's. Shop the draft boards after that injury to DK or to uh, I think he should be higher than that. I think so too. I mean, especially after last year, he has a top five rusher last year. Yeah, and then he has yeah DeAndre Swift as eighteen. I think that's overrated. I don't don't trust anyone in Detroit this year, unless it's a receiver. (laughs) Um, Josh Jacobs nineteen, Miles Sanders twenty, Gus Edwards twenty one. He shot up there after the DK Dobbins injury. Daryl Henderson, Damian Harris, and then finally Mike Davis round out the top twenty four. Anything you disagree with in that list besides uh, the placement of James Robinson? Um, I mean, if we're going to talk about Barkley, 
I think he's good value in round round two, which which my other league uh, he did go in round two towards the end, so that was kind of like a steal. Yeah, and it and it is a gamble with Barkley right now coming off that ACL tear last year, but we just don't know with these players coming back from an ACL tear. Um, same with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, but you got to take a gamble on it. If he's there, you, you got to get him. Um, I know week one, he's not going to have a heavy workload. I don't know about weeks two, three, four. We don't know. It's going to yeah. be a very long season. So I would guess, you know, the Giants are, and, and you know, Coach Judge is going to ease his way slowly into um, getting back healthier. Yeah. Yeah, based on strength of the schedule, I mean, he's got one of the hardest schedules. Uh, the only one in the top 24 with a harder schedule than him is Christian McCaffrey. Um, and then it looks like uh, Chris Carson's on the same level of, of uh, strength of schedule. I will tell you, the one who has the easiest schedule in the top 25 here is Nick Chubb. Um, the only thing that's hurting his value, I think, is the fact that they have a split backfield with, with uh, Kareem Hunt. Um, Najee Harris has a, a relatively easy schedule as well, and Austin Eckler as well, but the and CH, but Eckler, his concern with, with me is injuries. Can he hold up to being the guy he didn't last year? Let's see, let's see if he can do it this year or not. Yeah. Um, and I would say, look, scrolling down a little bit here, I think Javante Williams, I drafted him. I think he could be a steal because I think it's only a matter of time before he replaces uh, Melvin Gordon as the starter in Denver. Um, I think Raheem Mostert, um, he's kind of being forgot about because of Trey Sermon being there. But I, Mostert, when he's healthy, is a great running back. I think he's going to stay healthy this year, and I think he's going to keep a hold of that job. So um, I think he's undervalued at, at number 28. And then um, I'm surprised they have Leonard Fournette ranked 35 and Ronald Jones 30. I think Fournette, I think he's going to get most of the touches in that backfield. So I think he should be a lot higher than 35. What do you think? Yeah, I was going to say Fournette as well. Um, I know they have Ronald Jones back there, but it's a very good offense, you know, good offense in Tampa Bay um, coming off that Super Bowl. Another name that I saw <clears throat> that I would probably put a little bit higher from what he is right now, um, and that's if. Maybe Miles Gaskin gets hurt. Would be Malcolm Brown in Miami. Yeah, um, he had a pretty good year last year with the Rams, but I, I would put Malcolm Brown a little higher than that. Yeah, yeah, and just scrolling down here, deep seeing if there's any uh, any kind of uh, surprises down here. Uh, let's see, Jerick McKinnon could get some touches in Kansas City. Uh, Houston has like eight running backs, so you don't know who to draft. <laughs> and they're and none of them are going to score. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Uh, I think Justice Hill could be a guy to keep an eye on in Baltimore. If Gus Edwards kind of uh, people uh, people keep talking about Tyshawn Williams, but I think Justice Justice Hill is going to get a lot of second team looks, and I think he's going to get a lot of passes because I don't think Gus Edwards is going to be able to be a three down back. Yeah. Um, and then um, one guy I drafted that um, some people weren't <clears throat> sure why is Tony Jones Jr. He's currently the 87th ranked running back. I dropped him because I think he is going to be the handcuff for Alvin Kamara, who I drafted. And I think he's going to be the number two guy ahead of, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name now. Who's the backup there? In, in Latavius Orleans. Murray? Latavius Murray. So Latavius Murray almost got cut. He almost didn't make the roster, which tells me I think Tony Jones, who they really like, is going to be the number two guy. And we, we know two running backs in New Orleans have value. 
Kamara and Murray had value the last couple of seasons. I honestly think that Tony Jones Jr. is going to have some fancy value. It may not be in the first couple of weeks, but if you hold on to him, I, I'm like, I'm going to try to, I think he's going to be able to get some of those third down looks um, with Kamara still on the field. So, yeah, I just think they're going to stack the box. The defensive are going to stack the box against new Orleans. They make uh Jameis Winston throw a lot. So, yeah. Um, I really don't know what Kamara is going to do this year. I hope he does a lot. Cause I dropped him at number four. <laughs> So, so um, I already had one offer from him. Tell me what you think about this. Let me pull this up here real quick. Our friend Peter Mack. Hopefully he doesn't pull the offer now. He hasn't actually sent it to me, but he's asking me what I thought. So he offered me Calvin Ridley and Josh Jacobs for Kamara. Um, I think Ridley's going to get double team, like we said earlier. Yeah. And Josh Jacobs is the starter who Kenyon Drake is behind him in uh, Las Vegas. That's not I a had, bad deal. I had Jacobs last year, and he didn't do shit for me until I traded him. Uh, yeah. So, um, I, think, I still think he's like a top 15 running back. Yeah. I, I So the problem I have with that trade, and Peter, I'm sure you're going to listen to this, and this is my reason why I haven't like said, let's do this, because it's a very great offer, really good offer. But going back into the draft, I traded a lot of my picks to move up to have two first-round picks, right? Uh, you know that. You hated it. You, you bashed me for it. So by doing this trade... I'm basically trading my number four overall pick for a second, third rounder instead of get, or instead of getting a first and second, which I was offered before the draft started anyway. Yeah. So I could have had a Tyreek Hill plus a Najee Harris or something along those lines. So I think I would value Kamara more on those lines. Like if he, if he wanted to offer, offer me up um, now, if you want to include Barkley in that deal too, before you traded him, that's a different story. Um, but uh, I just I don't think that's enough value for Kamara. I, I could regret that Kamara could blow his ACL in the first play of the game. Yeah, but I, I just I think the value isn't there. Ridley, I, I like Ridley. I want to draft him. Josh Jacobs, eh, I'm a little little mint on him. But I mean, I mean, pull it up real quick. Well, they did let go of like their whole offensive line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Raiders. Yeah, um, let me pull up. Let me pull up Peter Max's roster here and see if there's anyone else I want in place of that. Where yeah, well, you can't see me. I can't see him. Okay. Um, because the thing is, Barkley and Jacobs. He just traded for Miles Sanders. I'm not really a big fan of Miles Sanders anyway. Yeah, I don't think I would have done that trade. Um, if you want to offer, if you wanted to offer me up, say maybe Ridley Kittle, and then like a like a Swift, and then I can toss him back something uh, with. Kamara, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I think that's just too much value to give up. I'm already projected to go, I think, 10 and 2 with my current roster. Yeah, I think that's it's too what, early. <laughs> and, and like, normally in the last, the last like five years, I think I've referenced on the show here, I'm always trading like crazy before the first game of the season because I lose one of my best players to injury or retirement or being cut or whatever. So I'm overreacting. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, if I didn't make those moves, my teams would have been better off long term. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of being conservative this year on making tra- trades because I like my roster. I really do. I like my roster. And just for those who are listening here, I'm, let me run down who who I currently have as my roster. And that was with making – I had picks one and four, and my next pick was like pick 40, 48 or whatever. So I got Russell Wilson, T. Higgins, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Michael Pittman Jr., Lance Thomas. I got – Marvin Jones Jr., Javante Williams, Michael Carter, 
I have Will Fuller on my bench. He's currently suspended. Uh, he may start for me next week. I'm on Ron St. Brown, who I think is going to get a lot of looks there in Detroit. Tony Jones Jr., Michael Thomas, who I'm going to kind of hold on to until I think week six is the earliest he can return. So I mean, that's a solid team. I, I really like that team. Yeah. My receivers, my receivers could use a little work, but I make up for that by having McCaffrey and Kamara and Russell Wilson. I think those three alone are going to win me a lot of games by themselves. So, yeah, I like my, we'll I, I like that team. So, all right, real quick, let's move over to the fantasy wide receiver rankings, and we'll wrap up the fantasy talk. So they have a top tier of four: Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and Calvin Ridley. I don't really disagree with any of those. I would probably include. DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf in that top tier because I think all six of them are are no brainers that could lead your team easily. Uh, we'll see if Justin Jefferson can repeat his magic from last year. He's got a relatively hard schedule, so it might be tough. Um, then you have uh, Terry McLaurin nine, Mike Evans ten, who I think is overrated. I, I think he's going to take a big step back this year. There's too many weapons there for for uh, Brady to throw to. Yeah, Allen Robinson, 11, C.D. Lamb, 12, Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, Kamari Cooper, Robert Woods, who I really liked. And I'm trying to figure out a way of getting him off of Cookie's team. I know he likes Will Fuller, so maybe maybe I'll dangle Will Fuller after him. Um, <laughs> Julio Jones, who I think you drafted, the, the pair with your Tan, uh, Tannehill pick. Yep. Well, no, yeah. Well, you I don't have Tannehill. No. You have Tannehill. That's right. That's right. I drafted him. So the league I have Tannehill, I have Julio Jones in that league too, so. Um, DJ Moore, Adam Thielen, 19, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, and number 24 is T. Higgins, which is my best receiver. So um, that's the top wide receiver one, wide receiver two list. Anyone stand out to you or anyone that you would have in that list above these guys? Um, top 10, I think CeeDee Lamb deserves to be in there. Yeah. Um, I would take out maybe like a Buccaneers receiver because, like you said, they do have too many weapons over there. Um, if I did – if I was to pick a Buccaneers receiver, it would probably be Mike Evans. Um, Chris Godwin's very talented. Rob Gronkowski's there. We know that. Um, I do Tony, like Tony uh, Brown. Tony Brown is going to take a lot of their looks, though. Tony Brown, yes. I do like Chase Claypool, though. Yeah. I don't know. He's ranked really low right now. Um, ben Roethlisberger likes to sling the ball, so I like Chase Claypool there. Really good, pretty good duo uh, wide receivers trio in Pittsburgh. Um, Cortland Sutton's back, and we know Teddy uh, Bridgewater is the quarterback now, so yep. I think he's going to get a lot of looks. Um, I do like Chenault Jr. in, in Jacksonville, but uh, you know those are like tier four or five guys. So yeah, um, I just questionable wide receivers I see is like Brandon Ayuk. You know I don't know how Jimmy yeah. G is going to be. Um, or when Trey Lance takes over, I think his value will be there. Trey Lance, right there. Alan Robinson with, with Andy Dalton starting, you know, maybe like the first five weeks when they start yeah. losing. Maybe it is going to be uh, Justin Fields. But uh, I'm, I'm really big on Alan Robinson. I was going to draft him, but I just wasn't sure about the quarterback situation. Um, yeah, one, uh, one, one person I, I took, um, they're currently ranked 30, 31st, Robbie Anderson. The reason why I took him, because he was, he was one of the top receivers last year in football. And he's got his old quarterback back with getting Sam Darnold, who we yeah. know is not a great quarterback, but they had something they had something going there in New York uh, yeah. a couple of years ago when he was there. So I think that's going to be good for him. And strength of, strength of schedule, he has one of the easiest receiving schedules in all of football. So um, I, I look for big things for Robbie Anderson. I, th- I actually have I would actually have him in probably my top twenty. And when he's currently ranked thirty first, so I think that's going to be a steal there. Will Fuller is rated thirty six. 
we know what he's done when he's healthy. It's about staying healthy is the thing, and he's got that one game suspension for week one. Yeah. Um, Tua, if he can throw the ball deep, I think that's going to be great, great for him. Or if the rumors are true and they trade for Deshaun Watson, look for them to rekindle their uh, their relationship there in uh, Miami if if uh, Watson can actually play. Um, Corey Davis, yeah. who I always bashed him the last few years there with Tennessee. He's the guy. He's being paid as the guy in the Jets. And in the preseason, he looks like he, he's getting, I think, 67% of the passes from Zach Wilson. So that's good for his value. Um, Antonio Brown, number 39. I mean, we know Brady loves him. He's had a full year in the offense with the playbook. So I think he's going to have a decent year as well. He's not going to be a top 10 receiver like he was in the past, but I think he's at least possibly a top 15, top 20. Oh, yeah. So I agree agree with you on Chenault. If he could stay healthy there in Jacksonville, Uh, someone's got to catch the ball there. I do like uh, Marvin Jones there as well um, because he gets open and yeah, he's a reliable uh, guy there for uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, And then look for Jalen Waddle. He, I think he at he's currently rated as uh, number forty-eight. So he's basically on the fringe of wide receiver uh, four, three and four. I think he could easily move up the boards. And then Michael Pittman Jr. at number 47, who I also drafted. I'm talking big about my guys I drafted, obviously. That's why I drafted them. Yeah. But with with, uh, T.Y. Hilton going down with the neck injury, so he could be out till I think, week six or seven, if not longer. Michael Pittman's the guy there. Michael or uh, Wentz has to throw the ball to somebody. And he, he was great last year as a rookie. He's in his year two there. He looked good in camp. If he could stay healthy, I think he's going to have a big year. That's why I took a flyer on him. I think I got him like in, what, the eighth or ninth round. And that's – if he comes in, he, he could be a top 15, top 20 receiver because someone's got to yeah. catch the balls there in Indianapolis. I agree. So, all right. Um, and then scrolling down here, looking for any any uh, possible diamonds in the rough. Number, number 59, Russell Gage. So, Julio's gone. We know we got Kyle Pitts. We know we have uh, um, Ridley there. Someone else has to lamp on the other end of the field. Russell Gage is the number two receiver there. I look for him to have a good year there. And he's a free agent in most leagues for fantasy right now. Yeah, he's starting for me. Yeah, so um, I think he's he's going to be a solid, solid this year. And then, I, like I said earlier, Amon Ron St. Brown in Detroit. He's a rookie. He had a little bit of a rough preseason but they didn't have golf out there for most of it um they don't really have any good receivers that they, they cut the veteran that they had so it's like uh tyrell williams and then Ron st brown so those are gonna be the two guys we know detroit's gonna have to throw the ball we know they're gonna be we're, they, we know they're gonna be down a lot we know golf can pepper it out to receivers because we saw the numbers he did with cooper cup and uh um I'm blanking on his name now. I just talked about him for like 10 minutes. Robert Woods? <laughs> Robert Woods, yeah. So um, It's late. We, it's late. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's it's 10 o'clock. I've been up as early this morning. My daughter got me up. But um, but no, it's um, the, we know he can he can fulfill the needs for two receivers plus tight end because he did that with Higby out there and George, uh, Gerald Everett. So I think Amaran St. Brown could be a steal in this draft. He's currently rated 75. Hey, put him on your bench. Let him sit out there. See what he does. I mean, yep. he's worth a roster spot, at, at least at this point. Tyrell Williams, number 79 as well. Those are the two highest rated Detroit wide receivers. And they're going to have to throw a lot because they're going to be losing those games a lot this year. So Exactly. 
Um, okay. Uh, anyone else stand out to you before we move on to our uh, season predictions? No, there's just a lot of wide receivers that are really good out there. So yeah, just, so, it, it doesn't hurt to stash these guys. So yeah, and then uh, uh, one more guy I'll toss out there. Preston Williams took off last year for Miami. Looks great in camp. I don't know if it's going to translate because there's a lot of different receivers there in Miami, but he could be a decent option there as well. Yeah. So, all right. We will now move over into our season predictions for the NFL. So this is actually what we did on episode one and two last year when we were trying to find something to talk about in the middle of a pandemic when there's no sports being played. Mm-hmm. So we actually timed it up so it's going to be hey we're doing it like five days before the start of the season so we're actually going to do it the right time our predictions we hope might be more accurate so we will start with the afc and i will start with the afc north so uh daniel i will go first um i currently have the ravens winning the division at 12 and 5 i actually have the browns number two at 11 and 6 steelers uh third place at 9 and 8 and the Bengals at 4 and 13 Better, a little bit better than last year, but still struggling because of offensive line problems. What do you think? I have my AFC North completely reversed. Oh, really? <laughs> I went out on a limb. Um, all this Cleveland hype got me having them winning the division at 14-3. and three. Wow. Um, my schedule, yeah. Baker is going to throw a lot. You know, the two-headed running game with uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Um, Odell Beckham's back. Jarvis Landry is going to be targeted a lot. I know he likes to tie it in there. I, don't know, I think it's still Austin Hooper. I'm not sure. Um, the defense is really good. Uh, I, I just believe the hype, so I'm going with Cleveland to win the AFC North. I have Baltimore second at 11 and five. Um, I have Cincinnati at eight and nine. I, I, I like Joe Burrow. I think he's going to do great things. The offensive line, yes, is tricky. I think it's it's bad, but they got they got a good wide a good young wide receiver core. Yeah. T Higgins. Um, Jamar Chase, who dropped four passes in the preseason. I don't know what's going on with him. He has not looked good in camp or in those games. So I'm, I'm a little worried about him. Maybe, you know, this will change during the regular season. I have them at 8-9. Remember, have, he, he's a little rusty. He did not play at all last year. So Yeah. Give him a and I, have, time. Uh, I have Pittsburgh going 6-11. and 11. I could see that, yeah. They have a really, really tough schedule. Really tough. I could see them having like losing two twice to the Bengals. Not the Bengals, the Browns, and then maybe twice to the Ravens. Yeah. And then they play a whole bunch of other good teams. So I have them at 6-11. and 11. Okay. Um, how about your AFC South? <laughs> you already know where I'm going. <laughs> I got the Titans winning the division at 14-3. and three. Their three losses, I had them losing to, like, uh, I think it was Kansas City, Buffalo, and I think it was Pittsburgh, one of them. I hate they can't play good at Heinz Field, so I have them losing to Pittsburgh. Um, I have the Colts at nine and eight. I don't know if Wentz is going to be, or you know when he's going to be back. We, he, we, he came out. He came out the COVID list today. Well, yeah, but that foot injury—you just don't know with the foot. Somebody could land on it wrong. Yeah, I mean he's supposed to start week one, but we don't know how long it's going to last. He can tweak it while running, something like that. I have him at nine and eight. Uh, the the two. Bottom dweller teams, Jacksonville. I have at two and fifteen. They got to win sometime. And yeah. the Houston Texans. I have them beating like Jacksonville like one time at one and sixteen. So I think they're gonna be really, really bad this year. They should be, yeah. Um, so I agree with you on the exact order of that, but just slightly different. So I have the Titans at eleven and six, winning the division. Colts at eight and nine. 
Jaguars three and fourteen, and the Texans two and fifteen. So Bad football. Now I'm going to tell you real quick. You would have hated me when I did this because I went week by week, right? Yeah. I got to like week seven. I looked over the standings real quick, and I had the the Colts and the Titans tied for first place in the division at like three and three and or three and five or whatever. <laughs> And I'm like, man, this is because everybody, everyone in that division has a hard schedule to start. Yeah. And the only wins I really had them early on going was against Jacksonville and Houston and some of these other bottom dweller teams because the Colts and the Titans have a hard schedule to start. So yeah. don't don't be surprised if they do that. But I had the Titans kind of getting hot there in the middle of the season and going like seven and one at the end of the regular season. So I'm sure you you'd love to see that happen. Mm-hmm. But um, I have them all struggle. I, I have them kind of looking like the AFC, the NFC uh, East from last year, the start of the season. <laughs> but the Titans kind of rebound and, and kind of pull out there and get that only winning uh, record in that division. Yeah. So, um, okay. So the AFC East, this pains me to say, I have the Buffalo Bills at 13 and four, winning the division. Dolphins at 11 and six, Patriots at eight and nine, and the Jets at two and 15. What do you got? I have the same order. I have the Bills going at fifteen and two. Um, the Dolphins nine and eight. New nine England and eight. nine and eight. Yes, <laughs> their schedule was difficult. I was like, yeah, they got to lose twice before. I think I had them losing to like New England once too, but New England at eight and nine. I like what Mac Jones is, is doing in preseason. Let's we'll, we'll see how he uh, does against the uh, the first stringers, and then the Jets at one and sixteen. I think they're going to be pretty pretty bad. Yeah, defensively wise. All right, then give me your AFC West. Oh, Chiefs, fifteen and two. <laughs> yeah. I have the Chargers at thirteen and three. Surprisingly. Oh, nice. Um, with Joey Bosa on the defensive end, I think their their offense is good with Eckler and Herbert and Keenan Allen and Williams. Um, Denver, I think they're going to take a, a step forward. I have them at seven and nine, and I think the Raiders are going to be pretty bad at two and fourteen. So just to clarify for the Broncos, is it 7 and 10 or is it 8 and 9? Oh, 7 and 10. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Sorry, yeah, 7 and 10. I, I, this whole 17-game schedule is, was weird for me. Was, to kind yeah, of for like 30 records. years, I'm used to like 7 and 9. <laughs> now it's like 7 and 10. I'm like, what? I know. So um, I have the same order, but um, I have the Chiefs also at 15 and 2. But I have the Chargers and Broncos second and third at 7 and 10, and the Raiders at 6 and 11. So, with that being said, my seedings in the AFC. One, I have the Chiefs. Two, the Bills. Three, the Ravens. uh, Four, the Titans. Five, the Browns. Six, Dolphins. Seven, Steelers. What do you got for your uh, your standings? Um, I have one, the Bills. Two, Kansas City. Three, I have Cleveland. Four, Tennessee. Five, the Chargers. Six, Baltimore, and seven. I think Indy's going to squeak in there if Carson – this is a big if. If Carson Wentz can play more games than he can. So so I'll be honest with you. I actually had the Colts at nine and eight and as that seventh place over the Steelers as a tiebreaker. But knowing how unvaccinated that team is, I think they're going to lose a game or two because of losing key players. I mean – they're the vaccinated players on this roster are not the top end talents. It's like your second stringers. It's like your one linebacker, 
Darius Leonard, their best linebacker, uh, their best defense alignment, their quarterback, their receivers are all unvaccinated. We already saw them lose for 10 days after the last preseason game, their quarterback, their center, and a receiver. Yeah. So I think eight wins might be too many for them because I think they aren't taking it serious and they're they're gonna they're gonna get hurt by this. So um but I, I that's why I flipped one game and I had the Steelers getting in over them instead of uh I think I flipped one game with uh the Colts versus the Texans. I gave them uh the Texans a second win over them, so all right. NFC time. I'll let you start with the NFC North. NFC North, um, I'm going Green Bay at 12 and 5. Uh, I think you stated before, I don't think Randall Cobb is going to be the answer. Um, <laughs> I think the drama over there is going to is gonna um, mess with Aaron Rodgers' head and Devontae Adams. But I still think they win a division at 12 and 5. Minnesota have an 8 and 9. Chicago at 3 and 14. I think it might be too late to switch quarterbacks when they, you know, if they lose five or six in a row and then you bring in a rookie quarterback. So, and then I have Detroit just being pretty bad. They just have no stars over there at one and 16. Yeah. So I got Packers 12 and five as well. And then I have Vikings nine and eight lions and bears, both four and 13. The lions getting the tiebreaker over the bears in the standing. So they'll finish third. Um, I, I think the bears, I, so I don't know if you, if you saw on uh, NFL Network, I can't remember the guy's name, but he went on this rant about the fact that even in practice, the Bears will not let their rookie quarterback Justin Fields practice with the first string. Like not even <laughs> in practice. It's probably Cobb Brant. Yeah, it was him. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then he's like, all these other all quarterbacks, even ones who are not going to start right away, are getting reps with the first team. Yeah. And then I saw a report that. They're going to have Justin Fields running the scout team. He's playing with the practice squad guys. <laughs> it's pretty bad. What are the Bears doing? Nagy should have been fired from that moment right there, right then and there. So uh, <laughs> it's going to fail. I think Nagy's going to get fired midseason. I think Justin Fields is going to get thrown out there with guys he hasn't practiced with. And I think the Bears will be lucky to get four wins out of this. But I think it would be for the better if Justin Fields can start, get some learn the NFL a little bit, because next year, whenever we know Aaron Rodgers will not be on the Packers, yeah. this division will be up for grabs. And the, the more Justin Fields has experienced this year, the better it is for them next year. Correct. I agree. Lions are going to be bad regardless because I mean they have golf and they're not going to want to change from that, and they're just going to be bad. But, and then the Vikings obviously they have a good good talent the core. But they're they're missing a few pieces on the defense that they had that was great from like four or five years ago. Their quarterback play is just suspect. Who knows how long Kirk Cousins is going to stay there as, as starter? And I think they're wasting Dalvin Cook's prime. And same thing with uh, Adam Thielen because they let Stephon Diggs go. They, they should have kept Diggs. They should have paid the man. Yeah. But they have the quarterback to give get the ball to all these guys, so he wanted out. Um. I think the Bears could be the winning this division next year, depending on where Aaron Rodgers goes. Now, we talked on the show. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm saying send me the Vikings, and then all of a sudden, boom, Vikings are Super Bowl contenders. If he says trade me to the Lions, which he will not do that, at least they're a playoff team. Hey, he may say trade me to the Bears. I I like Aaron Rodgers on the Bears. True. 
But if he if he goes to San Francisco or to one of these other teams outside the division, Justin Fields needs to play now because the worst, the best case scenario for this Bears team is eight and eight losing in the first round of the playoffs like they did last year, or I guess nine and eight or eight and nine, whatever to get them to the playoffs over here. Yeah. So, all right, there's my little rant for the, the <laughs> Justin Fields. I never thought I'd be rooting for Justin Fields to play, but whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure every Bears fan out there wants to hear this. Wants to hear Justin Fields on the field. So we'll see. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Ralph does, but we'll see. Um, and, NFC South. I have the Buccaneers at 13 and four, Saints at 12 and five. Falcons at nine and eight, just missing the playoffs, and I have the Panthers at six and eleven. What do you got? Uh, I got Tampa Bay at fifteen and two. Um, everybody's coming back. I have Atlanta at eight and nine, New Orleans six and eleven, and Carolina at five and twelve. Wow, a little rough on those Saints there. <laughs> I just Jameis Winston, Mike, no Mike, uh, Michael Thomas. I just. Don't see them winning a lot of games. They'd be peppering the ball out there. I'm getting, uh, getting all those all those catches there for Kamara out of the backfield. I can't wait. Yeah, but not so, enough to win like eight games. <laughs> I know. All right, uh, NFC East, who you got? Uh, like I said before, I have the Washington football team at 12-5 and five winning the division. I have Dallas at 12-5 and five, uh, football team winning the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the Giants at 6-11. and 11. I think the Eagles are going to be 3-14. and 14. Okay, I got the football team winning the division at ten and seven because I still think this is the the worst division in sports. <laughs> um, even with a healthy Dak, they had their. I mean, remember last year Dak looked like a MVP candidate right before he broke his ankle, and they were what one and one and three, one and four going into that game. They they're still going to struggle with what's what hurts them. They're still going to be struggling with the uh, the cornerback play. The defensive line play, I think, is going to be suspect for them. I think they're giving up a lot of points still. I have the Cowboys at nine and eight, um, missing the playoffs at nine and eight, and then I have the Eagles at seven and ten, and the Giants at three and fourteen, just because I think Danny Dimes is not the answer for quarterback there. Yeah, that could change really quickly. Yeah. So, and they don't really have a backup to go to, so I think they would have to play it out with Danny Dimes, and then maybe yeah. draft somebody next year. I agree. And finally, for the best division in football, once again, the NFC West. I have the Seahawks 1 at 14-3, Rams 2 at 12-5, 49ers 3 at 10-7, and Cardinals 4th at 9-8. and And we were close, but due to tiebreaker, I have... Um, I have the Cardinals missing the playoffs. There's a there's a very real possibility that um, all four teams can make the playoffs this year with it with the expanded to seven. That's true. But I think the Cardinals are going to just miss out. I have the Cardinals winning the division at thirteen and four. I can and see that as well. I can see that as well. I have the Seattle Seahawks at thirteen and four. Uh, Cardinals tiebreaker win. San Francisco ten and seven, and the Rams eight and nine. You don't, have just, any, you, don't, you don't believe in uh, Matthew Stafford? <sighs> yes and no. Um, I, think this I, 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 I don't know about the quarter, the running back situation. They did get Sonny Michelle. Yeah. Um, Henderson did make, good last year. Henderson healthy. did pretty good. Yes. Uh, I just I just think there's 
He's probably better than Jimmy G, yes, but he's I don't think he's better than Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson. I think this is the best roster he's ever played on. Most likely, yes. I know he's he's past his prime, but he's still very good. He's still going to throw his interceptions, but I think he's going to have a great season as at quarterback, and I think it's going to get the Rams back into the playoffs at twelve and five. Yeah, if Sean McVay can take Jared Goff to the Super Bowl, then yeah. this can very well happen. <laughs> yeah. So give me your your playoff teams for the NFC. Uh, NFC, I have one going to be Tampa Bay, two Arizona, three Washington Football Team, four Green Bay, five Seattle, six Dallas, and seven San Francisco gets in. Okay, I have one Seahawks, two Bucks, three Packers, four football team, five Saints, six Rams, seven 49ers. Yep. All right, so now we will break out into our playoff predictions. And I will go first with the NFC. Um, I have the Buccaneers over 49ers in the 2-7 game, Packers over Rams in the 3-6, and I have the Saints over the football team in the four five matchup as the lone lower seed to get get through in the uh, NFC. In the uh, semifinals, I have the Packers over the Buccaneers, which I should never bet against Tom Brady, but I am once again. <laughs> and then I have the Seahawks beating the Saints. And then once again in the NFC Championship game, I have Aaron Rodgers losing with Green Bay to the Seahawks. And I have the Seahawks in the Super Bowl out of the NFC. Very what do you nice. got? Uh, the 2-7 matchup, I have the car- another NFC West matchup. I have the Cardinals beating the San Francisco 49ers. The 3-6, I have Dallas going to Washington and beating them. And then the 4-5 matchup, Green Bay and Seattle. I have Green Bay beating Seattle at Lambeau. And then going to the divisional round, Tampa Bay and Dallas, I have Tampa Bay winning. Green Bay, Arizona, I have Arizona winning. And in the conference game, I have Tampa Bay beating Arizona to go back to the Super Bowl. So you're betting on uh, Brady to make it back again? Yes. If he goes back and he wins, I think he finally retires. Well, yeah, then I'll pick somebody else. But as long as Brady's playing, I'll have Brady. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I should have learned our lesson last year, but I didn't. I have him losing, so we'll see. <laughs> All right, so give us your, your AFC. AFC, 2-7 uh, matchup. I have Indy getting smoked in Kansas City. 3-6 matchup. I have Baltimore beating Cleveland. And the 4-5 matchup, I think Tennessee is going to win at home. And going to the divisional round, I have <laughs> Buffalo at home beating Baltimore. You're going to hate me. Yes, I'm a homer. I have Tennessee going to Kansas City and beating them. <laughs> I'm throwing that out there right now. In the conference game, I have uh, the Titans going back, but losing to Buffalo. And I uh, have Buffalo in 10th Bay, Super Bowl. Okay, so 4-5 uh, matchup, I have the Titans over the Browns. 2-7, I have the Bills spanking around the Steelers. In the 3-6, I actually have the Ravens beating the Dolphins in this matchup. Pain me to do that, but I think I'm being realistic on that front. Um, divisional round, I have Kansas City smacking around the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> and I have the Ravens beating the Bills in Buffalo. And then I have the Chiefs over Ravens in the AFC Championship game. Um, I think I actually had this exact same Final Four and Super Bowl. 
Well, no, I had, I had the uh, the Saints instead of the Seahawks last year. So um, I have three of the four from last year in the, my my final four. And then for the Super Bowl, I actually have the Chiefs once again, again getting the crown over the Seattle Seahawks. <whistles> Who do you got? In Super Bowl? Yeah. I have Buffalo beating Tampa Bay. You have the Bills finally getting a Super Bowl. I just think that team is, is I mean, the offense is really good. Well coached. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Him, you're picking him over Brady? Yes. <laughs> in L.A. So it's not going to be in Tampa Bay. It's going to be in L.A. this year. So. Oh, man. Um, I hope, I hope. If you're right, and if these are the two teams, or if the Bills make it a Super Bowl, I hope they lose the Super Bowl by a missed field goal. <laughs> I hope. I hope that they, they keep up the curse make it from, the, from the four straight losses. Oh, man, it'd be great. <laughs> so, all right. Well, anything else you want to throw out there? Any other predictions for the NFL season? Uh, no, I'm just so excited it begins this Thursday. I cannot wait. Yeah. Thursday, Sunday, Monday, next Thursday. I can't wait. Football's back. It's back. Got college on Saturdays. Got college throughout the week. Got Maction on ESPN. Yep. We we finally made it back to football. Can't wait. So, all right. Well, that will do it for our our season prediction episode. Um, we thank you guys for joining us. So uh, until we return, see you guys. Peace. <laughs>